dance again because you need to wake up a little bit. How's everybody doing this morning? I'm going to ask you again in a few minutes. I'm going to give you a chance to wake yourself up. You can pinch yourself. You can smack your neighbor. You can do whatever you need to. Come on, we're in church singing about Jesus, learning about Jesus, right? Should be happy, should be good, should be ready to go, right? All right, you ready? You're awake? All right, how's everybody doing this morning? All right, that's much better. That's what I'm talking about. Well, good to see everybody. Glad that you're here this morning and uh, uh, just being here at City Life this morning and um, hope everybody's doing well. Um, Today, if you... uh, if I've already greeted you and I've just given you a fist bump, I'm just letting you know there's the plague in my house, right? So I'm just trying to spare you, all right? So at any moment I had to start coughing or popping cough drops or my nose just starts running profusely, just bear with it and uh, just let Jesus somehow be glorified in it, right? Um, but anyway, so we'll just see um, how it goes. Um, man, it's just been a nasty season, right, for sickness and uh, it's just not fun at all. Little Braden, man, he is just out for the count. It's just a bummer um, just seeing where he's at. And uh, Rylan, we, we were like, I don't know if she's getting a fever or if she's just worked herself in a frenzy because she's upset that Braden is getting so much attention, right? So <laughs> we got like a rule in our house, like, I, you know, hey, I love ramen noodles, right? But that's all our kids would eat, right? If that's what, if we let them. And uh, so we just got a rule that you can eat ramen noodles if you're sick, right? Just because you need some kind of comfort, just whatever else. And that, that's that. And so, um, and Sarah, I saw your post. And so I know about that. So um, <laughs> it was actually pretty disturbing. Um, but anyway, so, um, so like, you know, Brain's getting to eat ramen noodles and she's all mad. She's like, it's not fair. And so, you know, and it's just awesome. It's like, yeah, it's great, fair. You know, fairness died in the garden with everything else, so get over it. Um, well, hey, so uh, <laughs> so we're going to, um, over the next couple weeks, uh, we're just going to have some fun and just talk about uh, just a couple different things. We've got our anniversary summit, uh, service coming up on the 25th. It's going to be a great service. I'm excited about that just to hear the vision that God's got for this church and the things that he's laid before us and that we feel um, as a leadership that God is just encouraging us as a church just to chase after. And so um, to share that with the church is always such a fun and sacred moment. And uh, we all get to stand in awe of who God is and he's doing things and he's calling us and challenging us. And, and so I'm excited for that moment. And so uh, leading up to that, we're going to take some time and just talk a little bit. Um, it, it's kind of funny. A lot of times Pastor Fred and I, we talk about what we're going to do. Sometimes we get in sync of what we're going to do. Sometimes we just do our own things at each campus. Um, um, and it's funny that sometimes those things work out that we do the same thing in some way, um, a little bit differently, um, but still the same. And so um, what we're actually going to talk about is, um, as Vanessa was talking about uh, earlier, we are doing a fast um, over the uh, next few weeks here as a church until uh, the 25th. And, um, and so when, when we talked about it a little bit uh, last week um, when we challenged everybody to kind of get started. Um, you know, for us, is, uh, what we're just saying is, is we're asking people to take, maybe it's, maybe it's 21 days, maybe it's 7 days, maybe it's 14, who knows, maybe it's just a day or two, uh, maybe, maybe you go past 21 days, but to take some time, if you call this your church, and say, I want to take something, I want to uh, give up something so that I can make sure that I'm intentionally saying, God, I want to pursue you instead of the things of this world. 
And that's really what it is. It's just this is almost like a symbolic, just like, hey, I, I, want, I want more of you. I want to chase after you. I, I want to relinquish. I want to give up some stuff so that I can have more of you. And, and fasting really has a power to it. That when we're fasting and we're praying, that God can speak to us. And so we're just praying that during this time of fasting, that God's going to speak to each one of us uh, for the benefit of the church, for the growth of the church, but also, too, for the benefit and for your own growth, for the spiritual growth of your family. Uh, We believe that there's a lot of people that are seeking and looking for certain answers, uh, for God to give them direction or give them wisdom. And we believe that in times of prayer and fasting that God uses those times to really speak to us and give us the direction we're looking for. And so as, as we talk about... About that, um, Pastor Fred's going to be going over the next couple weeks um, a little bit more in depth about fasting, and, and I'm probably not going to do that so much here at Williamsburg. So it'd be great to listen to this podcast. But what, but what we are both talking about is, is our relationship with God and our pursuit of that relationship. Um, that, that God has called us to be in an intimate relationship with Him, to know Him, uh, to be aware of Him, to be sensitive. Um, to our, our closeness to him, um, and, and not that his closeness to us changes, but our awareness of him, our desire to be close to him, uh, can oftentimes be shifted because of our focus and our interest, right? And, and so this whole thing, is, you know, there's a church word that we call it, which is discipleship. Um, which is just us uh, learning who God is, learning our relationship with God, chasing after God. And so uh, as I was thinking about that during this time, you know, I was just like, man, I really feel like God should um, speak to us and give a little bit clarity just even just for me on, on how I can pursue him better, how I can grow in my relationship um, with him during this season of chasing after him uh, just a little bit more intently than I do sometimes. And, and, and just to say, God, I, I want to grow in my understanding of you and who I am in you, and I want to grow in, in my understanding of your love for me. And so how does that work, and what does that look like? And, and as a church, um, we've got, uh, the, the way we kind of describe that is, is, is we have 12 different pathways. And we describe them as pathways because we believe that God gives us many roads and opportunities to walk down to discover him, that there's disciplines, that there's, there's activities, that when we invest ourselves in those things and we stay committed to those things, that, that in those things we discover who God is, we discover his plans for us, we hear him speak to us, that we discover um, who we are in him and we discover freedom, we discover those things. And so we have 12 pathways. Uh, we, we believe there's way more than 12, but, but these 12 are ones that we want to be committed to as a church, that if we are investing our time in these 12 things, if we're walking down these 12 roads in our own individual lives and as a church, that we're going to see God actively present in our midst, and we're going to see God doing his work in our midst, and we'll see God growing in our midst, right? And, um, and so these are the pathways that we have. And so I'm going to narrow in and talk about a couple of the pathways over the next couple of weeks um, and, uh, and, and just see what God do, uh, does with that. And uh, really, the big thing is, is that my hope is, is that by the end of um, this three weeks, four weeks, that we're going to have an opportunity for God to speak to us and say, hey, I want to grow in that. Maybe it's a discipline, maybe it's something that you aren't, don't feel proficient at, you don't feel really good at, um, or maybe it's something you don't understand, or maybe it's just something you really don't like, right? Or maybe you're just an expert at it and just maybe it raises our curiosity and you get to lead us and speak to us in some way in relationship so that we grow in these things because I really want to be a part of a church, I want to be a part of a relationship with God that is saying I want more of God on a regular basis, right? That I can know more of God, that I can experience more of God no matter where I'm at. And, uh, and we believe that these things are ways that we 
can do that. And so we're just going to be talking about discipleship and, and who God is. And so we're going to start that in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is where we're going to be at today. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 6. I will not have those up on the screen today. Um, so if you don't have your Bibles um, on your phones or in real person, you're just going to have to trust me that I'm actually reading from the Bible, right? So, so in this, in this, in this um, you know, process, you know, uh, as we, oftentimes as we are going through and we're fasting or we're intently trying to grow in our relationship with God and, and look to God, uh, a lot of times uh, it, we find ourselves in a place where we're aware of things that we are not as committed to as we should be or maybe we're just not as efficient in those things as we should be or, or, or we're just not even interested right? And uh, a lot of times it, it helps us, as, especially even as for me, you know, in the church, you know, we're just like, hey, we're going to do a fast, we're going to do these different things. It challenges me because it calls me to stop and say, okay, where am I at, right? Um, because, you know, it, it's, you know, as I go through and it's like, okay, I'm going to give up candy bars or whatever it is, right? And that candy bar means a lot to me, right? Then I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not in the right place where I should be because this candy bar is really important to me, right? And uh, which candy bars are good, right? Anybody out there? Dove chocolate, right? I'm really kind of missing chocolate right now, but so, so, you know, you go through and it challenges me to say, where am I at with God? Where's my relationship with God? And, and, and what do things look like? And oftentimes when we're going through life um, and, and we look at where we are and we know that we're not quite where we should be, um, oftentimes we try to look at our circumstances and say, well, all of these things around me are dictating what's going on, right? We're quick to look at those things. And, and it's even like I was driving in my car. We've been having like car issues like nobody's business lately, right? And so I was driving in my car the other day, and I was pulling out of our house and going down, the, going down the road outside of our house, and I just kept hearing this faint noise. I don't know if you've ever had a flat tire, but you know what noise I'm talking about? It just sounds like, you know, just flapping angry rubber, right? And uh, it just makes you angry, right? And you're just, <laughs> and so I kept hearing this, and I was like, You've got to be kidding. I just recently had a flat tire, and so I had three nails in one tire. It's like, it's almost like a mathematical impossibility to get one nail in your tire, right? I mean, the chances of it just getting right in there, I had three, right? And I'm like, did somebody just sit out there and drive them in my tire? Like, how did that even happen? And so I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Not another flat tire. I kept hearing it. And so I'm just like, man, there's just no way. Like, it feels like it's driving fine. So I'm driving down the road, and, and all of a sudden, the just noise gets louder and louder, and the car just, I'm just like what in the world and you know my top uh, my car is a convertible it's got like a soft top on it and so it was just like I felt like like everything in the world was just like crashing down on my car and I'm just like what is this noise right but I was like it can't be my tire it can't be my car there's no way anything else can be wrong with my car right and so I'm just driving and it's just like blah 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 and so I open my door as I'm driving which is awesome right you guys are like this guy's an idiot I'm never gonna ride with him right after today and so I'm like driving open my door and was like there's no way there's got to be something around right and then it's just like deafening and I'm like okay so I stop and I look and there's this like helicopter like literally like 60 feet above my car right it's this massive military double propeller right and so it's like literally like as it's getting closer and closer my roof is like and it's like almost deafening right and so I'm just like good lord this is crazy but there's nothing wrong with my car that's awesome right so I was excited but I, you know in life a lot of times when we have these moments when we're, tra we're challenged or we're a little bit encouraged to, to evaluate our relationship with God or to do something intentionally with him we find sometimes resistance we find sometimes that it's a little bit difficult it's not quite as smooth as we want it to be maybe it's a little bit hard right or maybe there's just an aversion to it we don't want to 
go deeper with God for whatever reason. And when we find ourselves in the moments, we oftentimes we start looking around, right? There's got to be a reason for that, right? Right? My wife, maybe she's not reading her Bible, right? It's got to be her fault, right? right? My, my kids have been little demons, right? They brought something into the home, right? That's what it is. Somehow that's affecting me. Um, you know, there's just something that's quick for us to look for other things. But these are moments that God gives us to stop and to not look for our surroundings that are affecting our relationship with God, but to look internally and say, what are the things in me that are reflecting and affecting my relationship with God? What are some things in me that I can give to God, surrender to him, and in doing so, find the freedom for me to live the life that he has for me? So in Romans chapter six, Romans chapter six, I'm gonna read um, verses nine through 11 out of the New Living Translation, and then we're gonna switch to a different translation um, just because it's fun. All right, really, uh, Romans chapter six, verse nine. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. Verse 11. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. I love that phrase right there, alive to God. All right, so now I'm going to start reading verse 13, and I'm going to read this out of the message translation. I just love the way that this reads. So uh, if you got the Bible app, you can switch over to the message if you want to read along. But uh, in verse 13, it says this, Don't even run little errands that are connected with the old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly in full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under the old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. So since we're out from under the old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way we want? Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. But offer yourselves to the ways of God, and the freedom never quits. All your lives, you've let sin tell you what to do. But thank God you've started listening to a new master, one whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom. I'm using this freedom language because it's easy to picture. You can readily recall, can't you, how at one time the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less freedom you had. And how much different is it now as you live in God's freedom? Your life's healed and expansive in holiness. As long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with the right way of thinking or living or write anything for that matter. But do you call that a free life? What did you get out of it? Nothing you're proud of now. Where did you go? A dead end. But now that you found you don't have to listen to sin to tell you what to do and have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you, what a surprise. A whole, healed, put-together life right now with more and more of life on the way. Isn't that beautiful? Verse 23, work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus, our master. 
Father, we just look to you in this moment, God. God, as we've already prayed in the service, Lord, that you will open our eyes to the freedom of the life that you have for us. God, that we, maybe even today for the first time, that we will stop, we will pause in the things that are keeping us from pursuing you. God, the things that we've allowed to tell us what to do. God, that we'll surrender those things to you today and we'll find the freedom of living our life in you. God, that we'll find this joy and commitment, this life that you have for us. God, that we will live free and that we will live full of joy in knowing your promises and knowing your goodness and your mercy. God, we pray that today, Lord, that we be in awe of who you are. God, speak to us. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Amen. Amen. All right. So, so the question I have for you today is that we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks is, is, as it says in the message translation, how do you throw yourself into God's way of doing things? The New Living Translation says it this way of verse 13 is completely give yourself to God. How do you do that? How do you completely give yourself to God? How do you give yourself over to doing, God, doing things God's way? How do we do that? That is a little bit of the pathways that I was talking about. That Those are the things that, that are disciplined. Disciplines, their structures, their things that God has given us that we find in Scripture that if we walk on those pathways that we're walking in His direction, we're walking in His will, and that as we do those things we find goodness in Him and that we find His freedom and we find His life. And so today what we're going to look at and what we're going to talk about is the Bible itself in reading Scripture. You know, as, as I've been talking and, and, and thinking about this sermon and, and thinking about what we're going to do, uh, I, I'm an avid news reader. I don't know if any of you are with me or not. You love reading the news. You read all the news that you possibly can, right? Is anybody with me or am I the only one? You're, okay, I'm the only one. Okay, Sarah's with me. Okay, all right. All right, so we're the ones that none of you like, right? Because we're always like, did you hear? Hey, did you know? Right? Hey, read this, right? We're those people, and you guys are like, seriously, right? <laughs> and so you're just like, whatever, I don't care. So, um, but anyway, so, um, so, you know, as I've been doing that, it, it's just amazing to me that, once again, Scripture in the Bible is very prevalent in the news. I mean, it's just all over the place. It's it, it, for good reasons and for bad reasons that Scripture is something that, again, is being tested by our culture. And again, it's being evaluated by our culture and says, is this relevant to us? Does this matter? Does this have a voice in our lives? Is this something we reject or is this something we embrace? Is it something we just pick out and find the pieces we like or is it something that we accept in its entirety? That is a conversation that is culturally happening right now and it's a conversation that's happening in the church. Is the Bible relevant? Is the Bible real? Is scripture something that should and can speak into my life. And so today, one of the things I'm going to challenge you on is, is that it is, that Scripture is alive and that it is something that is current and it is something that speaks into your life and it is something in its entirety should be accepted, embraced, loved, and cherished. That the Word of God should be something that we hold dear to ourselves and it's a pathway that we believe if we give ourselves to reading and understanding Scripture and asking God to speak to us through Scripture that it draws us closer to Him, deeper in relationship with Him and it helps us to know freedom instead of knowing something other. 
right? So that's what we believe, that's my stance, and that's where I start with. And so uh, I, I like questions, and, uh, and I'm not going to ask you any more questions because apparently you don't like answering questions. Um, but um, so it, how, many, how many of you, you, you do find, I, I just said I'm not going to ask you questions, but I have to ask you questions because my notes say I have to, all right? So um, uh, how, how many of you guys, there's been moments or times where you say, man, I've just found it hard to read the Bible. You've just been that, right? It's just like, it's hard to read the Bible. It's been difficult. Okay. All right. How many of you have been just seasons where you just go through and you're just like, oh my gosh, it's been how long since I've read the Bible? How many of you found yourself in that season? Okay. All right. Good. All right. All right. We're being honest this morning. Some of you are really holy though. All right. Um, uh, so, so who... Who do you guys, some, you know, a lot of times at City Life Church, we, we encourage participation in, in different things. So who do, you, who do you think it is that reads the Bible? Like, who reads the Bible? Pastors, all right, all right. Who do you think it is that reads the Bible on a regular basis? Who is it? Huh? Grandmothers? grandmothers? <laughs> hey, it's a good thing if pastors are lumped in with grandmothers, right? Come on, that's good stuff right there. I'll take that. All right, who else? Who's somebody that reads the Bible? Huh? Worship leaders, all right. Who else? Incarcerated people, all right. All right, Who, yeah. Your uncle, all right, that's good. All right, one more, one more, anybody? Yeah. People going to seminary? All right, that's good, hopefully, right? Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> all right. All right, so... So we, we get these categories of people who we feel like, um, it's funny that nobody said me, right? I was hoping for that. So I'm a little bit, uh, I'm glad that I'm preaching this today, all right? So, uh, but, but honestly, the truth of the matter is, is that we get these categories of who reads the Bible, and, and we can think of these different categories. But the truth of the matter is, is that in large scale, just, in, just being general, everyone reads the Bible at some point. I mean, I mean, everyone does. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've been involved in higher education, and, and I've been connected at multiple campuses, both Christian campuses and, and secular campuses and, and all those different things. And when I ever go there, it's amazing to me. People have no interest in relationship with God at all, have in-depth read Scripture because they are curious of Scripture, and they want to use it to argue against, right, a lot of times. But Everybody, in large part, reads scripture, right? I mean, at some point, somewhere, some way, somehow, scripture is there. So everybody reads it. There's a general interest in our culture about scripture, right? It is just prevalent. It's there. Uh, it is just something that is always in, in front of us. And, and the question a lot of times that I get is, is, especially being a youth pastor for nearly 12 years, I get this question a lot from students because they have a hard time reading scripture. They find themselves, you know, in a place that you and I can find ourselves so just like, man, it's a little difficult to get into this thing. It's a little difficult to understand that. Uh, but, but they find themselves in this place where they're just like, you know what, should I read scriptures? Should I read scriptures? I mean, should this be something that I do? Is it necessary for Christians to regularly read scripture? And that's a question that a lot of us can have. And so just the way my mind thinks and the way um, I'm going to do this today is we're going to ask some more questions, right, uh, to get to that, all right? And I'm not going to ask you any more questions. I'm going to ask a lot of rhetorical questions, all right, because I want to answer them. So to, to kind of approach this and to get into it, like, if the question could be stated, and, and I think to some degree we've all asked the question at some point, should, should I regularly read Scripture? I mean, God loves me, right, whether I read Scripture or not, right? 
And, and it's not about what I do that causes God to love me, right? It's, it's about who he is and his love for me. So do I really have to read scripture? I mean, is this something, something that I should make a discipline and a commitment in my life? Is, is that something that I should do? We've all probably asked that question and, and to some degree. And maybe you're asking it now for the first time. You're just like, I don't know. Maybe that is a good question, right? And, and so I, I hear this question a lot in... in and so for me, I want to start off with is, if the question is, is should Christians read scripture on a regular basis, then I'm going to ask this question of who is a Christian, right? Who, who's a believer? Who is, who is somebody that would say, I'm a Christian, and let's see if that shows us anything, and then if, if that does, then does scripture show us something of Christians? And so the question then is, is what is a Christian? And uh, in the first place, that Christians... The, the word Christian is used is in Acts, um, and it's uh, one of the first places you see a transition um, from the word disciple to Christian. In Acts chapter 11, verse 26, um, it's talking about Barnabas and Saul, and they were going to preach, and, and they were doing these different things. And it says, and the, it talks about the disciples, and it says that they encourage all the Christians. That word is really is, is many Christ, right? That's, they're all like little mini Jesuses walking around, right? So little mini me Jesuses, right? And, and so, it's horrible, shouldn't have done that. So, <clears throat> so that, that's the first place that, it use, that it's used. And so a Christian is a disciple, right? And so my inquisitive mind, I go through and I say, okay, a Christian is a disciple. A disciple is a Christian. Um, and, and, and so I go through and I look at this and, and say, what is a disciple, Right? So I go to the dictionary, right? A definition of a disciple is, for the Christians, is a personal follower of Jesus. A personal follower of Jesus. Somebody who follows Jesus personally. So as you go through and look at disciple, there's different synonyms that are there. A follower is somebody who does what he does. Right? So if you look at your life and you see yourself as a Christian, you look at your life and you say, do I see myself doing what Jesus did? Do I see myself interested in the things that Jesus did and wanting to do the things that Jesus did? Right? Not just the walking in the water because it's cool, but be, you know, all of it. Right? The, the obedience, the following after God. Another synonym is an adherent. Right? You do what he says. That Jesus has commands, that Jesus has things that he sets out, and we say, those are things that I must follow. Those are things that I want to follow. We do what he says. Uh, another sentence is a believer. You believe in him. You believe Jesus to be who he said he was and who he lived to be. You believe that, you, that Jesus came to this earth to die for us, right? And that he rose from the dead so that we could have life eternal, right? You believe those things to be true. You believe that Jesus is who he said he was, did what he did. You believe in him. You're an admirer, right? You want to be like him. Right? You want to be like Jesus. That's why I'm growing my beard out, right? It's because that's the best way I could figure it out, right? So I want to be like Jesus. Actually, I wanted to be like somebody else, but they shaved their beard. But anyways, a devotee, right? You're devoted to his cause, right? You, you, you care about the things that he cares about. The thing that he was trying to advance and trying to tell people about, you're devoted to the same thing that he was. You're not adding something to it. You're not taking away from it. You're saying what Jesus wanted to have accomplished, what his cause was, what his mission was, is my cause. It's my mission. I'm devoted to it. Another synonym is, is that you're an acolyte, right? And this is for my uh, uh, more pro Protestant uh, traditional um, people back here, right? Is you burn candles, right? No, not funny. 
That was the definition of it. But what it is, it's somebody, it's somebody who helps in the celebration of religious services. You're somebody, you, you come in and you're, you participate in the services that are set up to celebrate God and who he is. That you're not just a, a, an observer, you're a participant. That you volunteer, that you're committed to, that you're a part of the things that are set up in the church to celebrate God and to point to who he is and what he's done for us. So, so that's a disciple. A disciple is all of those things. And as, as you hear those things being defined and you hear those things, if you can attach yourself to those things and you say, no, I know who Jesus is and, and I, I believe in Jesus. And, and you, you say, you know what, I adhere to the things that he says at least the best that I can. I want to, right? I, I want to follow him. I, I want to be somebody who, who, you know, celebrates him and participates in those things. And, and I would love to burn a candle in here today because it's really cold, right? Maybe that's you, right? And you're just like, those are some things that I would love to do like that's then you are a disciple you are a Christian you are somebody who is his child you're somebody who is in a relationship with the living God you're you're a disciple you're a follower of Christ and so if that's you today and you find yourself in that place then the question is is okay so do I read scripture then is that necessary for me is that something that I should do if you see yourself as any of those things, if you see yourself as a person who knows true life because of Jesus Christ, that when you look at your life, you say, you know what, man, without Jesus, I am absolutely nothing. Actually, I'm less than nothing. I'm completely broken and shattered. But with Jesus, I'm whole. Like if you can see yourself in that boat, if that's the life, if that's the light of how you see yourself, then you are a believer. You're a follower of Christ. And here's what scripture has to say to us to encourage us in reading scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Verse 17, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Servant of God, those that are committed, man or woman of God, that it says, I give myself to your service. I am a follower. I am a disciple. I'm an adherent. I am somebody who says, I want to do and be who Jesus was. I care about his cause. I want his cause to be advanced. I want to celebrate him. I want to encourage others in the celebration of him. If you are that, then you are to read scripture because scripture is set up for us so that it can thoroughly equip us for every good work. God has something that he wants us to do, that he has things that he cares about. He has things that he dreamt up in the beginning of time for you to accomplish at this moment in our timeline. Right? God thought about those things. He said, you know what? I need this person here right now to do this because if they do this, not only will they know me, but it helps to further my kingdom, my cause, and my purposes, and it shines a light on who I am and my glory and my love for my people. That is what I want them. He has good things that he wants us to do. He cares about the things that we do. He wants us to be committed to those things. In Scripture, is something that helps us and encourages us and challenges us and equips us to do those things. And a lot of times we can find ourselves in a place where we feel like we're doing something good or we're doing things and they're just things. But they're not good works. 
Because we haven't spent time investing in these things. We haven't found time to to really say, is this lining up with Scripture? Is this something that God is speaking? Is this something that God wants for me? Does this line up with scripture? Scripture? Is this what God has? Is this what Jesus set out to do? Is this in line with that? And when we don't spend time in it, we don't look at his word, when we don't allow his word to speak to us, then we can find ourselves in these places where we're doing things that don't matter as much to God, right? They're just like, okay, well, they're great, maybe you enjoy that, that's awesome. But then we get into this place where we start elevating these things and elevating this life and elevating these ideas and we're just like, but there's good reasons and there's good purposes and they, they have good results and all could be true. But when they're focused on this temporary life in this temporary moment, and not the internal purposes of God and the good things that God has so that we can see God as a good, merciful, loving God who cares for people and wants people to be saved, then they're things that are wasted in time. They're not things that are used for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And scripture allows us, it keeps us, it directs us and guides us. Just the other day I was sitting down and, and um, I, I decided, I, I've been trying and I've been told, I've told many people for years that, um, that I, I, I'm not, I, I don't mind mornings, but I'm not really a morning person, right? You know, like if I had the choice to sleep in, I'm going to choose to sleep in, right? But if I have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning, I'm going to be walking around whistling and singing, right? So that's kind of right. And then my wife wants to smack me in the mouth, right? And so that, that's kind of like where I'm at. So, but I've been saying for a long time, I just want to get up at this time and spend this time in God's word. And sometimes I do it and sometimes I don't, right? But, but so the other day when we were fasting, I was like, you know, starting that, I really should get up at this time so I can spend it in God's word. And so I was just sitting down and I was like, you know, I'm going to start studying this verse. And as I started studying that verse or chapter Uh, I couldn't get past the first verse because God just kept wrecking me because he just kept speaking to me. And he said, look, here's your intention, right? But here's where I want you to be. And it was this weird, obscure verse that I've probably read a thousand times, but that verse, it guided me and directed me. It changed the course of my heart and my intentions. And I was trying to do something for me instead of doing something for God. And it shaped me and it changed me. And one verse just completely just wrecked me, Right? And it's been a verse that I've just been pondering on and thinking on and, and just going back to. And so that is the importance of Scripture. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it says this. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Scripture is again, or it is again, it's telling us, hey, listen, reading this is important. Listening to it, being taught is important. You teaching it is important, right? It is something that you should be committed to. It's something that you should listen to. That It should be something that is challenging you, that it's speaking to you. In your own personal time, at church services, it should be something that is speaking, that has weight, that has a voice into your life. That's what scripture should be. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's exactly what I was just talking about. The scripture is something, when it talks about the double-edged sword, that it cuts both ways. And there's a really amazing illustration that I can't get into that. But that it truly goes through. And, and that the word of God can finally separate our intentions 
that we can go through and be like, this is why I'm doing it. We all tell ourselves, this is why I'm doing this or this is why I'm doing that. I'm gonna start serving in this area or I'm gonna start attending this or I'm gonna, you know, we all got our things. We're just like, this is why I'm doing it, right? I'm joining this gym so that I can start working out, right? We know all of our intentions, right? We can tell ourselves exactly what we're wanting to do. But the word of God goes through and it can cut through that story. It can cut through what we're trying to convince ourselves and say, no, this is the truth. This is what you're really doing, right? And it gives us an opportunity to stop. It gives us an opportunity to pause and say, don't want that. I want you, right? And if we're not spending time in God's word, if we're not allowing that sword to come through and cut through the cloud and, and the things that we allow ourselves to convince ourselves of, and when we get caught up in all this different stuff that we're running, we're just like, I'm doing awesome. And God's just like, mm, still love you. <sighs> right? It's like when I watch Braden's basketball team, right? <laughs> oh, I love the kids, but man. They are awful, right? <laughs> I'm just sitting there just like, this is horrible. Hold your head up, kids. Believe in yourselves. Gosh, right? And so like, I'm just sitting there just like, whatever, right? God still loves you. He still cares for you, right? But when we're running and we're doing things in our own strength and our own efforts, we're just running around like crazy nine-year-olds thinking they're playing basketball, but it's some form version of dodgeball, soccer, volleyball, right? And so like... It, it's not his best intention, it's not his desire, it's not his will, it's not, it's not what he wants. Maybe there's a little bit of mixture in there, but we're not running full steam for him. We haven't committed ourselves to him completely. We haven't said, God, I'm sold out to doing things your way. God, I'm surrendered to you. Instead, we're kind of like, maybe, maybe not. And if you're in this maybe, maybe not zone, I'm just telling you, it's a painful place to live. It's not a free place to live because at moments you find freedom when you say, God, I hear your voice. I hear what you have for me, and God, I want that. And there's moments even in worship where you're just like, ah, I feel freedom, I feel relief. And then you walk out and you say, but I don't want that because I want this, and we choose something else, right? And when I say you, I'm really saying me, right? (laughs) And, And so... We, we find ourselves in these places where we're just constantly bound. What are we listening to? Who am I caught up? What matters more to me? What God is saying or what this person is saying or what I'm saying or what I want? We're caught up. That's not freedom. It's not freedom. It's bondage. Man, and none of us want to be caught up in that. None of us want to be tied down. We want to be who we're supposed to be. We want to live this life of freedom, right? Nobody tells us what to do, right? We're Americans, Right? <laughs> right? We, we do what we want, right? But no, we, instead we choose something other than freedom because we, we've bought into this idea that it's freedom because I chose to do it. And freedom isn't what I choose to do. Freedom is, is that God has chosen and God has given and God has allowed me to experience life in him. And when I say, God, everything is yours, I'm yours, here it is, I truly begin to walk into freedom at that moment. And if we don't spend time in God's word, we get caught up in that just to, to help you in that just a little bit more, John 17, 17, it says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. This is Jesus praying for his church, praying for you and I. Jesus is praying. And earlier in chapter 17, he says, God, I've given them your word. And because I've given them your word, the world is now going to hate them. 
There's a sense of separation that happens when we believe this thing to be true, when we're committed to the word of God and we say this is God's voice speaking to me, that it begins to separate in us and begins to separate us from the world and from the things that are temporary, the things that are inconsequential, the things that don't matter to God, the things that we sometimes elevate and matter so much to us but really distract us and put us in bondage and keep us from freedom. Those things, God's word separates, it keeps keeps, it helps us. It's something that God has given us, that Jesus has given us so that we can know freedom and be directed by him. In Psalm, it says this, in Psalm 119, verse 11, it says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And when God's word is caught up in our hearts, when his word is just on our lips and it's on our minds, man, it just Man, just doing life for him and doing life with him, it's so much easier. Because when the temptation arises or when that moment comes up for us to choose something other than the things that God has for us, when his word is prevalent, when it's rich in our hearts, when it's, it's something that's captivated our imaginations and we're just caught up in it, we've spent so much time in it, it's speaking to us, it keeps us, it reminds us, it says, hey, listen, watch out, watch out. You start beginning to feel the Holy Spirit, that's much more sensitive Leading you, stopping you, and just saying, stop, stop, stop. This is where you're going. You don't want to go there. His word is what guides us and directs us. It's a pathway that we should be committed to. It says in itself, God, that it's a lamp unto our feet. It guides us. It gives us the next step. It shows us what we should be doing. His word is something that as followers of Christ we should be committed to, that we should be devoted to, that we should love and care for deeply because it is his word. It's something that shapes us, directs us, guides us, pushes us, and helps us to say, I am following Jesus. I hear his voice. I hear his intent. I hear his desire. I hear it all in his word. And so as I wrap up quickly, this felt important just to give you a couple of things because I know we all can find ourselves, it's difficult. It's hard sometimes just to get in a rhythm. It's hard sometimes just to do that. First thing is, is just pray. Pray that God will give you a desire for his word, right? Just pray and ask, God, give me a desire for your word. If you do that, that in itself is something that God can use to help open up your minds to him speaking. It goes from just reading words on a page to actually having a conversation with God. Secondly, actually have a Bible that you can understand, right? Have a Bible that you can understand. Find a translation that you can read, and when you read it, you'll go, you don't just say, okay, i got to read that sentence again, right? Now, there's going to be passages in the Bible that you're just going to do that because they're just obscure and there's just some crazy things in there, right? Uh, and as a junior high boy, you think they're awesome sometimes, right? And so, you, what, did, what did it say? But you, for over and all, find a translation that you just love, right? That it just reads to, it just makes sense to you, that you can just read as a book. Just find a translation. There's so many translations out there. Pastor Fred, and myself, we want to help direct you in that. If you've got questions, let us know, right? Some of the translations, if you're taking notes, if you're curious, right? Some of the best ones, most known is NIV, right? If, if you're like more on the uh, intense side of things and you like just hard in your face kind of stuff, whatever else, uh, the ESV is a good one for you. If you're kind of like, like poems and like flowers and all that stuff a little bit more and the New Living Translation's there for you, right? If you just kind of like just normal talk, right? I'm just a normal people. The message is a good one for you, right? 
So, so those are some good ones right there to start off with. There's even more, right? There's the NET Bible, which is fantastic. There's a new Bible that just came out that doesn't even have passages and all that stuff. It's just literally written as a book so that you can just keep reading and reading and reading and reading. Because the intent is, the, the author said, I just want people to get lost in God's word. It's amazing. It's an amazing book. So listen, read the Bible. Find one that works for you. Thirdly, do whatever you have to do to actually read it. Right? Do whatever you have to do to actually read it. Right? It, it, whatever that is, find something that works for you. Michelle, she listens to the Bible a lot of times just in the morning as she's getting ready because she's got a thousand things that she's trying to do and it takes girls forever to get ready, right? In the morning, right? And so um, and it's, it's funny, the older, and don't tell her I said this either, right? So you got two things you can't tell her, all right? Uh, the older she gets, the longer she takes, right? It's just crazy. And so, but so she listens to the Bible a lot of times, right? I know, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. So she's at home caring for my children, and I'm just like, wow. So anyway, so like, but she's gorgeous, right? She's absolutely gorgeous. She's stunning, right? And, but I think a lot, of, a lot of her is, is she's just trying to find a quiet place where nobody's going to say, hey, mommy, right? <laughs> she, that's her sanctuary. She's just locked herself in there, right? And, and she's just, but she is. When she's in there, she's listening. She just gets lost in God's word, just hearing it be read to her, right? And, and sometimes she, like some of the readings, like they have music behind it and different stuff because it just, it helps her. She, that's, that's what works for her, right? So, so listen to the Bible. Maybe, maybe you need to read and create, so read a little bit. And maybe you're artistic and you can go and just, after you've read, like draw some things out or, or, or do something like that. Create something that just stirs in you after you've read it. Like be a, a participant in reading scripture. Find some way to make it not just sitting down just like, okay, I got it done. But really say, I want this thing to speak to me. Right? What, what, what motivates you in other things? What encourages you in other things? What are some natural gifts that you have? Find those and implement those into the moment that you spend with God for him to speak to you through his word. He's given you gifts and interests for those reasons. Another thing that you can do is read with families or groups. That's why life groups are so important. It's another time for us to do that, right? Read with your family. We do that often with our family, right? Come up with systems. I got a whole system of what I do because I want reading to be fun, right? I, I, I'm an, somewhat of an artistic person, right? And, and, and I like colors, and so I color in my Bible because it's fun, right? And, and it makes it a treasure hunt for me that I, I try to find the verse that lines up with this color. When I find it, I get to color it that color, right? And it's organized, and it's systematic, and I love it, right? He, all right? And so that's my creative slash type A. That's my thing. But it, it, it's not just reading scripture for me. It's, it's, it's a journey. It's, it's, it's this thing where I'm just like, oh, I want to know what this is saying. Is this a promise? Is there something for me to hold on to? Is this something for me to say stay away from? What is this word? What is it that God's speaking to? to me. I read commentaries as I'm reading his word. There's just so many. Do what you can to read God's word. Commit yourself to it because as you commit yourself to it, God begins to direct you. God begins to guide you. God begins to speak to you. Lastly, as you just read it, write down what you feel God has spoken to you and do it. I think one of the biggest things that moves us from just saying this is a book that I read to something that it's speaking is when it truly is something that we follow as a command. That when I read it and say, okay, I just read it and it's challenged me, there's something I've got to do. There's something I've got to do. And maybe that something to do is to study it more because you don't know yet what it's saying. Right? Maybe that something is to, to actually get up and do an action, to serve somebody, to love somebody, to give something up or, or, or whatever it might be. Just do something. Get up and pray and say, God, I don't know what I just read. It doesn't make any sense to me. God, please, I'm going to read it again, right? And I want it to make sense, so I'm going to read it. 
Just do something. Make it something that where you're saying every time I'm in God's word, I want it to speak to me and I want it to motivate me, to draw me closer to God as the worship team comes up. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 37, it says, you must be careful to keep all of my decrees and regulations by putting them into practice. I am the Lord. Uh, and that's a crazy chapter if you go through and you read that chapter. There's a couple things in there that are ceremonial. But by and large, that chapter is a chapter that is really a definition of the Ten Commandments. Here's what God wants us to do. And here's a little bit more broader spectrum on how we do these things that God wants us to do. This character that he wants us to have as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, it goes through and it breaks those things out. But the biggest thing is, is that God has a life for us to live, right? And he shows us and gives us direction how to live those lives many different ways. And we're going to talk about many of those different ways as we go through the next couple weeks. But one of the most important things that we can do is to read scripture, to allow scripture to speak to us. Because as we do that, then scripture begins to separate the things that matter, right? And the things that are just inconsequential. As we read scripture and we spend time in his word, that we begin to see the things that really are close to God's heart and the things that are close to our heart that shouldn't be. It, it, it separates and it, it directs and it does. It gives us that light. Okay, here's the next step I'm supposed to take. Here's the next place that I'm supposed to go. God's word does that for us. Because listen, every single one of us, as a follower of Christ, if that's who you are today, you are called to live an active Christian life. There's a responsibility. There's a duty that you have to do, that you are required, that you are committed to do certain things. And those things are just to live the life that God has called us to live, to do the best that we possibly can to reflect the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ so that others can see and know his love as well. One of the biggest defining realities of if you are a disciple or not is if you are somebody who is making disciples. And when you're active in God's word, you're motivated in God's word, you can't help. You become me, right? And saying, hey, did you read that news article? Hey, did you hear, right? Hey, did you know? You start going through and you just look at scripture and you say, oh, I know the life that God has for you. Ah, see how you're going through things and you're just tying yourself up right now and God just wants you to know freedom. God begins to speak to you, and you don't just go and says, you know what Leviticus says, right? But you go into him and say, hey, I just feel like God has this for you. And God begins to give you an opportunity to speak to people. I'm just, I just want to encourage you as we take time to fast and pray, and, and maybe you haven't started that yet, maybe you're not doing that, I just want to encourage you to do that. If not for the benefit of the church, benefit for yourself. I'm just telling you, when you say, hey, I'm, I'm just going to stop watching TV for a next week so that I can say, God, I just want to know you more and I'm going to put that aside because you're more important. I'm just telling you, God does things in those. He responds to those moments. And as he responds to those moments, you're going to look for direction. You're going to look for guidance. And I'm just telling you, his word is something that directs and guides us. It's something that brings life to us. It's something that brings encouragement to us. And if you're kind of a casual reader of the Bible, I'm just encouraging you, be a committed reader of the Bible. 
Find some way just to say, I'm gonna make it a priority. Maybe you just write a scripture verse on a post-it and you hang it up on the mirror and you just read that scripture verse, right? On a, uh, on a daily basis. I, whatever it is, if you say, God, I want you to speak to me and I want your word to matter to me because I believe your word is something that cuts and it directs and it shapes and it leads. I believe that your word is you speaking to me and I want what you have for me. I want your voice to matter more than any other voice in my life. When you put yourself in that place, when you put yourself on that pathway, all the other pathways begin to make sense and you begin to run in the things that God has for you. Is it gonna be easy? Is it gonna be no? Because my last thing is for you this, is give yourself grace. You're gonna make a commitment and you're gonna fail at it, right? Because you're a human, right? You're just going to. You're gonna do great for three weeks and then you're gonna fall off the bus. Don't get mad at yourself. Just pick it back up, right? Say, God, your grace is good. You love me, you care about me. You want me closer to you and you've given me your word so that I can know that presence so that I can know that place in you. God, I just pray in this moment, God, that you will speak to us. God, that this be a practical word that we take and that we hold on to. God, I pray, Lord, that even for myself in this moment, I don't just take this as something to say, okay, that was for somebody out there, but God, that I take this and say, this was for me. God, that, that I need your word to matter to me more than anything else. God, because I know in my own life that, that, that in the moments when rage is easier than grace, in, in moments where it's easier for me to judge than it is to be merciful, in moments when I fail as a parent or I fail as a father or I fail as a pastor, a lot of times when I found those, find those things to be repetitive they're on a regular basis, I find that I'm not spending time in your word. And God, we're not saying this is something magical that if we do this, that everything changes, but we are saying that if we commit ourselves to this, God, that you begin to change everything in us. We admit the journey, we admit the process, that so there's gonna be ups and there's gonna be downs. But God, I know the truth of this word and I, I know the difference that it's made in my life and I know that when I spend time in it, when I'm committed to it and I say, God, I want you to speak to me through your word and I'm holding this thing as true. God, that you lead and you direct and you guide. God, that you help me and you equip me, you encourage me, you strengthen me to do the things that you have for me. You show those things, you reveal those things. And God, I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us begins to find a new hunger for your word, for time in your word, that we find some way to commit and say, I want to spend time in your word. I want to spend time chasing after you because I want you to speak to me like you've never spoken to me before. And God, that we as a church believe that you are speaking, that you're actively speaking, that you care and that you love us. And Father, I pray that today, if there's anybody in here that does not have a relationship with you, God, there's anybody in here today that, that they could care less about reading your work because they could care less about you, I pray that somehow, God, that you've already penetrated their hearts and their souls. God, that you've spoken to them. You've revealed the depth of your love for them. God, that you begin to show them, Lord, that you are committed to them. You are so committed to them that you've given them something that can speak to them, something tangible that they can hold in their hands, that you have revealed yourself in this scripture and that for thousands and thousands of years, time and time and time again, it's been tested and it's never been discredited. 
As time goes on, it's only that much more proven to be true. It's only proven to be that much more powerful. It is not something that is dead and meant for dust. It is something that is alive and meant to give direction. And God, I pray that you open all of our eyes today to the reality that you want to be in relationship with us. And if there's somebody in here today that does not have a relationship with you, God, I pray right now that you speak to them. You say, you are mine. God, they just explode and they embrace you. God, that we stand here truly as disciples of Christ, saying we believe and we're willing to follow because you are our everything. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus. Hey, if you were one of those persons, you say, hey, I don't have a relationship with God and I'm in that spot, I want you to come and talk to me after service so we can just have a time to connect. I love you all. Thank you so much for being here. Give the worship team a hand for coming back up here even though I'm not going to use them. Have a great week and see you back next week.